McShane Bible Study, day 197, and we're getting towards the end of Joshua, Joshua 23, and Joshua's getting old, and he gathers all the people before him. Is it just the elders or all the people? Yeah, the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers. Verse 4 and 5 say, Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. It's kind of cool. You're asking why they didn't defeat all the land. And as we talked about, the um, God said he would only de- defeat the people as it became necessary so that the land wasn't filled with wild beasts. But it's I like how Joshua puts this because in it, it, it um, it's not how our flesh would want things. But he says, it's an inheritance to you, these tribes that you are going to defeat in the future. It's like the New Testament teaches us that the Lord has prepared good works for us. Mm-hmm. Right? From, from the beginning of time in our future that we should walk in this life. And so he's saying that these tribes you will defeat in the future are an inheritance to you. It's this life that I've set before you. And then uh, 14, verses 14 to the end. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. So he says, look, we followed the way of the Lord, our generation, and the Lord has blessed us in every way he promised us. So it should be obvious to you by your life and your experience that he is mighty, he is true, he is good. 15. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord has got, Lord your God has given you, if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. So once again... They must say this a hundred times in scripture. I've set, I've set before you blessing and curse. Choose the life of blessing. Choose to live my life. Because if you're outside of my grace, then you're serving the enemy. And he hates you and it will end in destruction for you. Right? And then we move to Acts 3. And so Peter and John are approaching the temple. And a, a lame beggar begs. And, and Peter said, you know, I don't have money, but I can heal you. He raises him up, and all the people are amazed. And then Peter says to him in 17, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. He's just explained how they killed the Christ, right, the Messiah. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. So it's just like what Joshua said, right? 
you've chosen a life of curse because, well, you didn't know. He says, God, God has mercy for you. You made the wrong choice, but now is your chance to make the right choice, right? Send, excuse me, choose Jesus and God will send him to you. 22 says, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. So, again, from Moses all the way through scripture, and he goes on to say, all the prophets talked about this too. said, there is a Messiah that will come to fulfill everything that we are living out just a shadow of. And so that is the life that Jesus came to introduce. And now the early apostles were saying, okay, we're, we're stepping in to this reality that God has created for us. Then looking at Jeremiah 12, Jeremiah starts complaining to God, right? And he says, God, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? He goes on and on, but that's his question, right? And then God has a long answer for him. But basically, to sum up his answer, he says, starting in 13, They have sown wheat and have reaped thorns. They have tired themselves out, but profit nothing. They shall be ashamed of their harvest because of the fierce anger of the Lord. So he's saying you, that the judgment on them and their ways may not have come yet, but it is coming. In other words, my time is not like your time. There's not this immediate effect on everything. Sometimes I allow time to let things play out. Um, you know, we know from Paul. I think it's Paul. Um, where, where he says that, uh, maybe it's Peter. I can't remember. Anyways, that God's not slow as, as you reckon slowness. He just has a different time. And he wants to give enough time for everyone to choose him. Like he looks at things in a different way that we do. 14, and he has an eternal perspective. He's not caught up in years and weeks and days where that we can get caught up in. So that's part of maturity is learning that perspective. 14, thus says the Lord concerning all my evil neighbors who touch the heritage that I have given my people Israel to inherit. Behold, I will pluck them up from their land and I will pluck up the house of Judah from among them. So he says these that, that I've used to hurt my people, they will be plucked up. But I'm also plucking up my people because my people are being judged. I'm judging both. 15, and after I've plucked them up, I will again have compassion on them. So he says, look, they need to be disciplined, but I still love them. And I will bring them again, each to his heritage and each to his land. We know he pulled a remnant out of Babylon and placed them back in the promised land, right? And that shall come to pass if they will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear by my name. Well, aren't they his people? People of Judah, they're the people that worship God. They have the temple, right? But he's saying they're the people as far as being children of Abraham, but they're not my people as far as living my way, my culture. I have a purpose for mankind. I will have a people, a family that knows my ways, that lives my ways. It says, and it shall come to pass if they will diligently learn the ways of my people 
that's what we're about, learning his ways, which are different than we grew up understanding. It's different than the world around us. You see that? To swear by my name as the Lord lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be built up in the midst of my people. He says, I, people who choose to learn my ways, we will be built up. Mom and I are talking about this for how y'all are schooled next year. Um, and we're thinking about something that would have seemed like a radical to us a year or two ago. But now we're open. It seems to be the Lord is in it and looking at doing a new way. And this is, this is just one little example of the Lord opening up and saying, how do we live according to his way? Mm-hmm. Not Again, we're not, we don't want a religion. God doesn't want us to have a religion. He wants us to enter into a life. And so how do we live that life? Are we continually seeking him for wisdom, discernment, and leadership in living out this life? Right, so we can take on his ways. And then they shall be built up in the midst of my people. But if any nation will not listen, then I will utterly pluck it up and destroy it, declares the Lord. So it's the same thing we saw in the last two chapters. God is continually and always saying, look, I want to bless you if you will choose me and my ways. And if you don't, you are under the curse and it will not go well for you. I want you to choose me, but I will not make you. You see that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we wrap up in Matthew 26. And so Jesus tells his disciples exactly what's going to happen, right? He understands the Passover is coming. He's going to be the Passover lamb. He's going to be crucified. So he tells them this. And then they go to Bethany, and the woman anoints his feet, right? Um... And so, wait a minute, is it feet? On his head, sorry. I'm getting that one confused with the other one. Um, The oil on his head, and and, uh, this this one, Matthew's version just says the disciples were indignant. I think another version says Judas was indignant. Um, But he says, why do you trouble her? She's preparing me for my burial, and her story will always be told. And then Judas looks for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Verse 16 says, and from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. So it's funny. We, with, I think, uh, religious minds, and and I don't know, it makes a lot of sense. I understand. This is the first time I've ever had this thought that what kind of a moron is Judas to betray Jesus, right? He's, He's witnessed all this. How could he betray him? But if you look historically through the people that have been God's people, the vast majority of them turn away from God. It's actually more amazing that 11 out of 12 stayed true to the way of God. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, of course, they were walking around with the Messiah for three and a half years. So, you know, I guess that's the reason. But it's just the first time I've had that thought that actually 11 out of 12 is amazing odds compared to all the other great men of the Bible that turned, you know, uh, turned bad basically uh, throughout their lives. And then he has Passover. He has a communion, the last supper with them. And, um, and then 
Jesus tells Peter that he's going to deny him. Peter can't grasp that, right? He doesn't really know. And in the end, he is going to deny him. Because he's not, he's still a man in the flesh. And so he's, he gets filled with fear. Later on, we're going to see Peter's incredibly bold once the Spirit is leading him. But at this point, he still is operating under the flesh. No, he has a seed of, of truth, of faith in the Lord, but it's not sustaining. And then so Jesus goes into Gethsemane and he's, he's praying. He's praying like crazy, 42. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father... If this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. So he's desperate, like, Lord, Father, this sounds absolutely horrible. I don't want to die. It sounds painful. I don't want to go through all that pain. It sounds humiliating. I don't want to go through all that humiliation. <clears throat> you see that? Mm-hmm. But he's completely obedient to the Father. Something Adam and Eve were not. And so that was the key to unlocking this life for us, that he was completely obedient, even to the point of death, sacrificing his own life so that he can be the perfect sacrificial lamb that we could enter into this life. See that? It says, so my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. If that's the only way for me, then I accept it, even though it sounds absolutely horrible you see that kind of faith that kind of obedience that that needs to be in our all of our hearts 52 then jesus said to him put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword do you think that i cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels so again he's fulfilling the scriptures as he says and he says this is the Father's will. So he's again submitting to the Father's will, knowing he could call angels to destroy these enemies. 61, and said, This man, I am going, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Well, we've been through this twice now, and I think I highlighted this last year, because uh, I have no thoughts on that right now. Um, and I don't know, I think I'm going to wrap that up. Peter denies Jesus. We already talked about that. Um, Jesus has tried. Let's see, 63. But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, you have said so, but I tell you from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. This was the truth. And so, although he'd been silent up until then, once the truth was asked to him, he testified to the truth. And, of course, that was enough that they needed to execute him. But he knew this is the way that he would sit at the right hand. That's all I have. Do you have anything? God bless you. God bless you.